We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You asked this 21 questions. Most of them are about the Chiefs. What's up, everybody? This is Kent Swanson. Thank you for joining us on 21 questions we ask our subscribers our wonderful subscribers to ask questions we answer them every week thank you to to all the the people that uh that have asked questions and supported us uh we really appreciate it if you want to support us as well there's a link in the bio you can uh sign up for uh for kc sports network Substack account uh, but you could also uh go to gum.co slash kcsn22 you could get six months subscription to KC Sports Network and the KCSN Draft Guide, which launches on April 11th. There's a link in the bio for that as well. But we're going to answer subscriber questions today. Here to help me do it, Maddie Lane in a Macadoodles polo. This is the best day of my life. What up, Maddie? Happy St. Patty's Day to you too, Kent. <laughs> you think this was by accident? You think it was just like this was the only thing I had around? No, it's St. Patty's Day. What better way to represent St. Patty's Day? Than to represent the lovely Macadoodles. And what a, you yeah. guys, you guys in the Kansas City area, can you know you guys can hit up one next year at this time because it yeah, will you, be open <laughs> and it will be ready. Yeah, are you pitching me virtually right now? Is that what you're doing? Correct. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm here for it. Let's just jump into some of these questions. We got some great questions from the subscribers. They ask them on the KC Sports Network Discord, one of the places, the community it's kind of built uh from KCSN subscribers. It's been really cool to be part of. And our guy Jason or Grayson Jaspers uh, kicks us off. What would it mean to get a five or more sack season out of Josh Kingdo this season, Maddie? It would obviously mean a lot since they Chiefs don't have a lot of pass rush success on their roster right now. Um, five sacks, though, for a guy that was taken on day three that played very minimal in his first year seems like lofty expectations. I would say just two, three, multiple sacks, multiple sacks throughout the season, you'd probably count it as a win because you're showing progress towards the end goal of being a good defensive end by the end of his rookie contract. Like you aren't expecting him to be good right now. But if you get that this year, if you do get five sacks out of him this year and they are, you know, even just half of them are impactful sacks, you know, coming earlier in the down in games that are blowouts. And I mean, you have to feel absolutely fantastic about that return. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, just getting Steve Spagnuolo's trust, I mean, let alone sacks, being a a rotational player that can actually, you know, get some burn would be a huge win. All right, Zach, the toxic KCSN Stan, our guy. (laughs) Yes, 
Yes, what positions do we care about P- PFF and do we care about college PFF? Um, you know, like I think PFF has really good, there's some really good charting tools that they have um, and they can be leveraged in a lot of different ways. Some some of the basic charting stuff, they do a really good job of it. When it comes to player evaluations, I don't really put much stock in it. Um, and it's, you know, I it's very hard to quantify what happens on a football field, especially if you don't know the calls. And so you have to have a lot of context in order to make these, you know, to answer questions and to, um, and to make a hard, fast grade. Sometimes you just don't know. And sometimes outside opponents don't know. And so I think it's very hard to quantify things when you don't have the full context every single play. And in order to create, you know, a grading system on players, you have to know. So I don't I, I think there's there's holes in how that evaluation system or any evaluation system that tries to, um, you know, put a hard, fast, you know, number like that out there. I think there can be flaws and you it requires a lot of context. And I don't know if there's enough manpower in the world. To, to do that for every single college football player, every single NFL player, you have to have a bunch of football nerds that are probably coaches somewhere. <laughs> if we're, you know, so I, just, they, I think there's a lot of really good things that they do, but I think when it comes to the player grading scale, I don't really, I have a hard time agreeing with it you know, all the time. Uh, Tucker's burner account. What's the longest contract you'd be comfortable offering Orlando Brown to keep him here? Five-year contract that is enough flexibility after year three that if things are going terrible, you can get out of it after that third year without crushing yourself that season. I mean, you'll probably still have to stack some dead cap or something into that, but as long as you can get out of it reasonably after three years, you're fine. I mean, he's young. Keep him, put him on a five-year deal. I see no reason not to. It's not easy. We just saw how difficult it was to land a franchise left tackle. They could come in and start right away. You, we saw with Lucas Niang just how hard it is to draft a guy on day two and feel great about him developing into a definite starter within a couple seasons of being in the NFL. The Chiefs, like at defensive end, aren't going to be in a lot of positions to draft these guys. They're going to have to make moves for him, sign him in free agency. You've got a young one. You run him till he's 30, if you ask me. I like it. I agree. Mike Denny asks, what unique contract would you rather see in the NFL? A one-year loan like soccer or a remainder of career contract percent of cap slightly declining with age? I like the idea of the remainder of career contract with a percentage of the cap. Sign me up for giving Patrick Mahomes that. I just, you know, like, I mean, you're going to get him for the majority of, of his career anyway, but let's just go ahead and make it a lifetime deal. I'm completely content with that. What do we I think mean, the holdup is on getting to those? Because Russell Wilson reportedly asked for one a couple years ago. Uh, there was rumors that Patrick Mahomes might be getting it, and the way his contract works, it kind of plays out similar to that. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. There was rumors that that's what he was kind of getting and with some easy outs. It's just like, what do we think the holdup is for teams, especially at quarterbacks, giving them these percent, not lifetime, but percentage of cap deals? I just wonder if there's like a hard line the NFL teams are willing to draw. I'm not sure. Or there's a little bit of fear of uncertainty with, uh, you know, with, with cap moving forward or they don't want, you know, they don't know how the market's going to reset. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because I think part of the way 
NFL contracts work is the percentage of the cap for a big contract does go down. And it probably seems that a guy like Russell Wilson or some of these guys, they're going to want the, the percentage to go up uh, or even remaining flat is not a good deal for an NFL team. So I think that's probably where this, where it kind of, where the line kind of draws is my opinion. And uh, Andrew Hunter asks, what's the story with Malik Herring? Ooh, did you like Malik Herring coming out, Maddie? Close your eyes. Picture George's defense. Picture all of their defensive linemen, not their edge rushers, not the linebackers. Close your eyes. Picture the defensive linemen. Look for that guy out on the edge. You know, you're Trevon Walker this year, right? Everybody, people have probably seen him play at this point in time. So that's the player you're looking at with Malik Herring. Now sub, the, the, subtract all the athleticism. That's Malik Herring. He's your traditional year after year Georgia defensive end, big, thick guy, powerful hands, can two gap when he's playing as a five tech. They kick him inside rather than letting him rush wide on passing downs. He's a run stuffing defensive end that probably would be better suited to play pure five tech. Uh, I don't know what he's doing in the NFL. Is he bulking up? Is he slimming down? Like those Georgia guys are so hard to play sometimes because they play such a specific style of defense there. But like my expectations are not high because I think you see multiple guys that are Malik Herring's coming to the NFL every year and they just simply don't translate to a lot because that's not what they're kind of asked to do at the next level. Yeah, I, I wonder if he's going to have to slim down if he's going to try to stick because I don't think he's – I mean, he's, he's 6'3", 280 on the Chiefs guide right now or on the Chiefs uh... – Oh, he should bulk up and play three tech like that at six. Three, I mean, I don't know what his length is or anything. But like if he wants an NFL career, I think he'd be better off trying to play three tech and just using his violent hands and hoping to win that way. Cause I mean, I just don't think he was that athletic to slim down enough to play on the edge. Would be my, would be my assumption. Now for the chiefs. Yeah. He probably has to slim down because that's, that's a crowded yeah. three tech room. That's where he's at right now. He's in Kansas city. So I, that's kind of why I'm guessing with us, uh, you know, with the chiefs, I think he's got to go play edge. Uh, what is the best contract handed out in free agency so far? Uh, I really like the Morgan Moses deal. I think Morgan Mo Moses going three, you know, fifteen. Like I think that's a really good deal for the, for a you know a tackle. Um, so I really like that one. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones I really love. I mean, like the edge rushing market's been insane. Obviously, I mean the Chiefs missed out on a lot of the older free you know free agents because I mean those guys were getting seventeen and a half million APOI. So like. I don't love those deals. Is there any other deals that you really liked, Maddie? Yeah, I got two of them. Justin Reed's deal is the best one that's been signed in free agency. I don't hey, even yo. know how this didn't jump into your head. No, real, seriously, though. Uh, best one, no, but I do think the Justin Reed deal is phenomenal. You got a young safety that can play every single position on the back end that you're going to ask a safety to a competent level, if not better. You got him for you know, 10 and a half ish million dollars per year once you play it out. Yeah, he got a little bit less than Marcus Williams, which is expected, but I think he's more versatile than Marcus Williams. At the end of three years, you want to tell me that Justin reads the best safety from all these guys that just got signed? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. So I really do think that's a good contract. Um, the cornerback contracts have been good Carlton Davis and JC Jackson. Like, I know they put a lot of guaranteed money and a money up front of them, but I think those guys are worth it. And it's not so much that you think it's just absolute no way they can live up to it. It's so like, I think positional groups in general have had a good time. I like that. Uh, Tojo144, assume the Jags take an edge at number one since it looks like they may pass on offens offensive tackle. Discuss the scenario and likelihood of each trading for Josh Allen. Please include contract extension, his fit, and picks to get it done. I mean, Josh Allen, uh, he's a very good fit. He's an exceptional pass rusher. 
Um, I don't know if he meets all three Steve Spagnuolo criteria, um, but he's pretty close if he's not. Um, but he's a really, really good pass rusher, and he's young. And if you're going to go and trade for him, it's going to take a lot. I mean, I think it's going to take a first and probably more because this is a young up-and-coming guy. Uh, the contract extension, whenever the time comes, I mean, top five market probably. Top five in the market, you're probably going to have to pay him. You have to give him a five-year deal. Which you should give him a five-year deal. That should take him all the way, uh, you know, to that to that thirty-year-old mark. So, um, I mean, you probably. I mean, it's it's probably close to the Frank Clark deal. <laughs> like, I know that's, I know that's, uh, I know that, like, I know that's uh, can be taboo, but like from cap from a compensation perspective and all that, I think you're probably looking roughly around the Josh Allen or the um, Frank Clark deal. You disagree, agree, Maddie? No? Yes? Um, I think if you're the Chiefs, you try to get it a little bit lower than that because Josh Allen has not been as good as Frank Clark was, you know, at during so far during his rookie year. I mean, another year coming up that matches his rookie year or even surpasses it. And then okay, now we're in a different conversation. And like, you know, Frank Clark, one of his best years for Seattle was at the end. So you're probably getting in that general range. Um, so you know, okay, we heard from people that I, I'm not gonna say like we're uh Ian Rappaport connected on the inside, but you know, we hear a couple things that go on behind the scenes from people that know things about the Jaguars. Josh Allen was called about last year. People asked the answer. And this was even, you know, kind of as the year ended heading into free agency, the thing was, no, he's the one guy that's untouchable. Him and Trevor Lawrence are the one guy, the guys that are untouchable. Since then, it sounds like the word is now they will listen to an offer. You have to really work to get them pulled away from there, but they're at least open to hearing the phone calls now. So I don't think they're trying to shop them. I think the odds of landing Josh Allen are I mean, below 5% for any team, but at least it sounds like it's a potential possibility, especially now that I do believe they're going to go with Aiden Hutchinson or somebody else at defensive end. So it's out there. It's a possibility. I just would not count on it being likely. Uh. <laughs> there's no such thing as having too many pass rushers. So even if you go, you know, draft Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, having two bookends, I mean, look what the AFC West is doing. Uh, speaking of the AFC West, just DRK asks, besides injuries, do you think as it stands right now, and any AFC West team finishes with less than 10 wins, Maddie? Yes. I think the Raiders do still because the division is so good. I think the, the issue they're going to run into is, yeah, they might be able to steal a game here or there, but at the end of the day, you have Derek Carr taking a roster that's equally talented or less talented than the other three teams, like the rest of the roster, and he's having to go toe-to-toe with Russell Wilson, with Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. If they go if they go one and five in the division, I won't be surprised, and that doesn't leave them a lot of wiggle room outside of the divisions. So, like, I do think the Raiders will be the team that ends up under 10 wins. Broncos right there around it. I think two still. So I, I don't know how like just I think two wind up getting under 10 wins. Pick your two, coward. I'll I'll go Denver and I'll go I'll go Raiders. I the Russell Wilson, I I am just rooting. I I love that Russell Wilson's a Bronco because now I can root even harder against him. And any modicum of success is just gonna it's gonna ignite something in me and I'm gonna be insufferable. Uh, <laughs> listen, after week 11, they're going to go 500. So like they exactly. got to really stack up those wins in the first half of the year. If they want to get to 10, I just, he, Russell Wilson did not watch the Broncos tape three times over 
last year. My favorite comment was from Jeff Schwartz just talking about how, so you watched an offense that's not going to be, that you're not going to be playing in against defenses that you're not going to be playing in with the different places. It's like, why did you watch them so many times when they have nothing to do with what you're about to walk into? It makes no sense. It's like this man practicing his two minute drill and still huddling on air by himself. Dude loves himself some himself. Casey from KC. Is it possible the AFC T AFC West team records have two teams with 14 wins, one team with 13, and the fourth place team with 12? So this is kind of like the flip side of that. I don't think it's possible. Those teams will eat each other alive. But I mean, I do think you're looking like you know, kind of like we're looking at here. This team, uh, you know, this 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 is the best, uh, this is the best division in potentially in all of football. I think the Wests, NFC and AFC are both really strong. Uh, a little bit weaker now that Seattle is blowing things up in the NFC, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, just DRK, what's the likelihood a Tiger changes his stripes? Is it possible Brett Veach sees the landscape and decides the best thing to do this offseason is to draft as many players as possible? I I don't know what that particular... Like, I, I get the logic. I just don't know what that's going to accomplish for a team that is in a win-now mode, especially when you are having multiple other teams in your division that are also trying to win now. You would almost, if you're Brett Veach, having to be selling on Andy Reid, who's nearing the end of his career, Travis Kelsey, who's getting towards nearing the end of his career, Chris Jones nearing the end of his contract with the Chiefs, Frank Clark, all these guys in these situations you'd have to convince them like, hey, we're not really trying to compete to win right now with these guys. We're just going to load up on a bunch of day later day two and day three guys and hope that we start to hit on a couple of them and then we can rebuild the roster from there. Like you're essentially telling a team that has Super Bowl aspirations that they're in a semi-rebuilding year just with enough talent that maybe they can make a run. Like I'm not saying there's no chance the Chiefs couldn't win a Super Bowl without with doing that process without just adding a bunch of draft picks, but it just seems unlikely. And it's a really hard sell. I think to a lot of the veteran players on the roster. Uh, Julian K asks if either of us can rush the passer. <laughs> I mean, I think this, I mean, this team has got a long way to go regardless of what, you know, big swing they make at edge, you know, they've got a long way to go and uh, they didn't do a good job of affecting the passer last year. So, I mean, there's I I know it's a joke, but no, we can't. But I, I do think this team is going to have to really get creative because they've got to add a lot of bodies. You know, it's Melvin Ingram and a big swing and a draft pick. Like, if 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 you see them triple dip at you know edge and add three new pass rushers over the course of the offseason or uh, two in, in Melvin Ingram backer, I guess is probably the better way I would ex- expect. I don't know why. Why do we all pencil Melvin Ingram just being back? It just feels like we all just are just like, oh, yeah, he's coming back. You because know. the rumors were he had a, he enjoyed his time here. It looked like he was having fun here. It pits him on a team that is going to be a Super Bowl contender every single year. So, like, here's a guy that is chasing a ring. He hasn't had one yet. That's, like, one of his goals, I am sure. It sounds like he had a good time here. We clearly have a need. Brett Veach specifically talked about how maybe he's a guy that will sign later or something that they'd have interest in. Like, there's a lot connecting him to the Chiefs that it makes a lot of sense. Um, that said, you poke around Melvin Ingram's social media, it doesn't look like he's just trying to wait around until right. July to sign to an NFL team. It seems like he's probably like, hmm, I think I can cash in right now a little bit better than that. So somebody come offer me money. And like yeah. that makes it a little a little more dicey to me. Zach the toxic KCSN stand. Will Tyron 
come back to be our nickel. No, he won't come back to be the nickel. He might come back to be a starting safety, making Juan Thornhill the Dan Sorensen third safety. I'm not saying he would replace his role one for one, but I think at this point, there is a chance. I don't know what the Chiefs' plans are, but we're gearing up to where there's a very slim chance that Tyron Matthew could be back in Kansas City to play with a friend of his and Justin Reed. They played together before, and it seems like they are friends with one another to play with him, to play on this roster again for Steve Spagnuolo, who he loves. You would start Tyron Matthew and Justin Reed. You would have Juan Thornhill would be coming in as your third safety. There's a chance he comes in in that role. I don't think Tyron Matthew should be playing nickel corner at this point in his career. They did that in 2020, and it wasn't going as well. That's kind of why the defense looked better once LeJarrius Steen took over that role. They just they needed a little bit more athleticism there. Connor Christofferson, how do you feel uh, of the supposed strategy of not paying free agents who are 29 plus money in free agency? Well, I mean, it, you know, it's, it seems like that's a trend. There's really not a ton of these guys that, you know, are really getting significant money from the Chiefs. And you look at, you know, all the guys, all the big contracts have been signed, and guys that are in their 30s. I think, look, I here's the thing. Like, we look at the pass rushers and we talked about all these pass rushers and they were all multi year deals. I don't. I'm trying to think of any of the big pass rushing names got less than a year because Chandler Jones got two, and Von Miller got six, Zadarius Smith got five, and they got real money. Um, so if I mean, if the Chiefs really don't seem to be, you know, they they don't seem to be spending it on these older guys, and if that's true, that they just don't, I don't know if I love it. I think you've got to be a little bit more flexible uh, to situations. It's a, it seems like, it seems like at this point we've got enough history to say like that, you know, they really don't do that. Uh, it's disappointing. I, you know, they, they sprinkle in some one-year deals with some of these type of players, but they don't like to commit long-term. And I think that really restricts the pool, especially when you look at all the pass rush and you have a very obvious need to improve your pass rush and all these guys with older deal, you know, all these older guys are the ones that are getting these bigger deals. I don't know. You have any other thoughts, Maddie? I think you see a lot of teams that have successful, I'm not going to say dynasties, but like long-term success with the same core group of players, front office guys, coaches, they do have a specific uh, free agency strategy. You had Green Bay for years, did not bring in anybody out of the house. You have the Baltimore Ravens essentially pay nobody or no edge rushers, no front seven players when they come up on their expiring rookie contracts. The Patriots pay nobody until they hear what the market is and then they decide if they want to pay them or not. Like all these teams that have a specific brand or style in free agency or not, sorry, the other way around. All these teams that have this prolongated success have a specific set of rules they follow in free agency. They're all a little bit different, but they have their rules based on research and whatever they believe is going to work. And it's proven that it kind of can. The Chiefs, I don't think, are a stupid organization. They have smart guys in that building. So one of their rules seems to be we aren't paying guys more than one year and we're still not going to pay them a lot over 29 besides maybe offensive linemen. That's the one that seems a little wishy-washy right now. If that's a rule, I can't say that it's a bad idea because if that's if you're going to stick to your guns there, I get it. A lot of teams have these kind of free agency rules they follow year after year. My pushback is you got to draft better. You can't draft two linebackers in the top 64 picks. You can't draft a running back in the first round. And this is going to lead me into another rant that should be saved for something else, but we're here now. I get it. People are going to point to success the Chiefs have had in the draft, and we're talking about building through the draft or free agency going forward right now. This is a this is an offshoot tangent, and I apologize to going on this question. But 
there's a difference between hitting on an interior offensive lineman or a linebacker on day two than there is hitting on a cornerback or an edge rusher. There's a difference between finding a two-down linebacker, a thumper, a very specific role at a linebacker, a devalued position in the NFL, and finding that on day two than there is finding your defensive end number one, your best pass rusher, your guy that you need to push double-digit sacks that can beat up an all-pro offensive tackle on any given play. There's a wide gap in what you're asking there. So yeah, it's great. I mean, it, it literally is no sarcasm. Fantastic to hit on Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay as he continues to develop. Juan Thornhill, if you want to call him, you know, like a big hit right now, it's great to hit on those guys, but look at the positions I just named. Interior offensive line, interior offensive line, linebacker, linebacker, safety. It's the positions that the rest of the NFL devalues. You're drafting the value in those spots, so that's good, but you aren't getting the high-impact positions there. The Chiefs have not proven they can do that. So when people like want to say, oh, it's okay, you don't have to spend any money in free agency. We're just going to go draft two defensive end, two corners, and three wide receivers in this draft because look at this beach history. You were tell he hasn't hit on any of these impactful positions in the draft so far, and now they're going to do it at pick 30, pick 62, and near pick 100 twice. You just got to look at the positions being drafted. I don't even remember the question anymore because I've just been waiting to get this one off, and I haven't found a time the last few times we recorded, but there's a wild gap there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's, yeah, it, I, I think we might've talked about this at some point too. It's like, there's, you can't, you can't find those values now this year because you've already invested in those. You can't redraft another interior offensive alignment at a value. You know, are you sure they've been drafting linebackers every year, interior offensive alignment. Like they're not going to, you know, uh, you've, 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 you've locked up linebacker. You've locked up interior offensive line. You've locked up, you know, one of your safeties, but like the swings at wide receiver and investing an inordinate amount of draft capital at running back. I mean, those small decisions in totality, I don't love. Uh, and so, you know, you, you missed on, you missed on your receiver and, 
I don't know. Yeah, the Chiefs are kind of at a disadvantage trying to, you know, get some of these high impact positions now. I mean, that's it's going to be. I don't know. I that's why I don't love the draft capital. Let's just continue to load up draft capital to pay the right to pay somebody a big contract. Like you need to start giving yourself an opportunity to swing at some of these positions of higher value as well. Uh, Pastor Jackson, does the absolute onslaught of edge signings mean we should reconsider taking a tackle early-ish in the draft? So here's the issue you come to. I think the Chiefs do need an offensive tackle here, right? Like that's something that absolutely has to be done. Here's the issue that I think you are running into is you aren't filling other positions as well. Like, I don't think there's a problem with taking an offensive tackle, but I think you see the rest of the NFL is gearing up for what they think is a pretty good offensive tackle class of guys ready to come in and play early. The guy that's available at 30 might not be, as we just talked about, a great value. Even if he's a good player, I just don't know if the value is going to be great. And you do need a defensive end, multiple corner, multiple defensive ends, multiple corners, multiple wide receivers. I don't know if your fifth offensive lineman is really where you want to spend your draft capital. Now, monetary capital and this market where Morgan Moses is getting $5 million a year, absolutely, because you have two guys on rookie contracts. So they're not expensive, but draft capital, I think you have to reserve that for some of your other positions right now. Cypher asks, what do you, we do after the defensive options for Casey are plucked from free agency? Do you think we are in a holding pattern to make a move in free agency until Hill's contract is finalized? I don't think it, I don't think the moves that we haven't seen have anything to do with Hill's contract as much as it just has to do with the Chiefs have a plan and they're sticking to it. And we maybe thought, and, may, and I mean, Brett said they weren't going to be too active in wave one, and he, they weren't. Now, Brett Beach always says a lot of things in those press conferences and they kind of flip-flop and not in a dishonest way. It's just like it's a strategic – it's strategically sometimes too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like the Chiefs aren't playing in that first wave, it seems like. And they are, might be trying to build with a lot more volume of players in free agency than trying to take big swings. The one thing I could see them doing is potentially trading for a net rusher. And we talked about Daniel Hunter. Uh Yesterday on the Casey Laboratory show, uh, that that could that could be a swing. Uh, it's one of the few swings that kind of sounds like it's available to take and makes sense for this football team. Um, Zach Eisen says, "Build your ideal free agency from here on out." Okay. Sign Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know what the price is going to be. I still don't think he can get that much more than he got last year. I would love to get him in that below twelve million, and I'm all in on Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that's the best move. Um, bring him in. Let's go. You can wait for Leal Collins to be released, or you can just go ahead and trade a late day three pick for him. I think I'm going to say wait for him to be released. You're going to sign him or Billy Turner. You know, you kind of have to play that by ear to figure out which one you're going to get. But get a right tackle that's worthy of starting. I think Collins and Turner are my one and two that are available right now. So Juju Smith-Schuster, one of those two at right tackle. Kick the can on what Matt Ioannidis wants to come play in that Jared Reed role here. And then the big one, I, if I'm doing it, you're trading for Daniel Hunter. And like that's why I wanted to hold off on saying trade for Collins because I don't know if you can make two draft pick, draft capital trades for players in one offseason if you're the Chiefs. But I would say you have you trade for Daniel Hunter. That's your only option right now, I think, to field a good pass rush. Wes asks, are the Chiefs actually a destination franchise? I don't know. <laughs> I, I No, it. it's in Kansas City, Missouri. Hey, 
Don't hate on Kansas City. I, I have no problems with Kansas City, Missouri. It's just you ask if they're a destination. They're not. Kansas City, Missouri is not a destination for pro athletes. People that have unlimited funds are not dying to go to Kansas City, Missouri. These guys want to be in places where they can have freely spend this money being in the, not all of them, but a lot of like, and when you're talking destination and city, you're looking at LA's, New York's, Florida's, and even Texas is probably a bigger pull from terms of where you get to live. People don't want to live in the Kansas city in the winter time. It gets really hot in the summertime as well. You don't have just like one of the crazy things, the Midwest, it's a reason on the coast. I don't want you Kansas city is being mad at me here. I'm just saying pro athletes with unlimited funds aren't dying pro- Famous people with unlimited funds in general aren't dying to go live their entire life in Kansas City. Not that some won't. It's just it's not a destination. I, Odell Beckham Jr. told you that when he said, I wanted to go play in L.A. Countless athletes have, I think, made that very, very clear. Tampa, Tom, no sales tax or no no income tax. I mean, I you know, Bully Salt, our guy. Uh, welcome to the Discord. Gordon, buddy. Uh, one free agent edge cornerback and wide receiver for Casey Dad. I think wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, can I throw the name that we talked about at Edge right after the show last night? Uh, sure. I forget who it was. Was it Dante Fowler? Mm, yes. No. Do that. One. That's a good one. I think Dante good Fowler one fits all of the all of the Steve Spagnuolo defensive and uh, measurables. Surprisingly, like I know his his career really hasn't taken off to the same degree that I think he thought it would. Um, but I mean, for a guy, a younger guy that he's only 27 years old, he's got 35 sacks in his career. He fits the prototype. I mean, you know, he, he, he's two years removed from an 11 and a half sack season. The last couple of years have not been good to him in Atlanta, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's had some production cornerback, uh, gross. Talk, while you think about that, I'm, I'm going to talk about Dante Fowler for a second, because you go back Kent said he's a couple years removed from an 11 and a half sack season, which is his best season that he's kind of had in the NFL. That came with the Rams on the Rams that year. Ah, he's obviously playing with Aaron Donald, dominant interior rusher, their best pass rusher. And then he had Clay Matthews opposite from him. But this was kind of like that ghost of Clay Matthews. It was a guy that still a good pass rusher, but not dominant by any stretch of the imagination. So you're looking at pairing him like he was with LA with a dominant interior pass rusher and Chris Jones. And then you're having him across right now, at least Frank Clark, maybe you can pair that up to somebody else. And I'm not saying that Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, whoever else you sign would be that, you know, 2019 Clay Matthews level edge rusher. But the point is you're kind of making Dante Fowler, your number two, two and a half pass rusher. That's where he's had his best success. He fits spag stuff. He has a history at the very least of having some production in a similar situation that seems like the kind of swing at this point in time you might as well take. And his price tag can't be high after the abomination that's been going on in Atlanta. All righty. Uh, and cornerback, I don't know. Like, I'm not excited about any of these cornerbacks. Uh, maybe, you know, like Pat Peterson. Yay. I'd, I'd do Gilmore, but they're not going to do Gilmore. Um Steve Gray, why does it keep getting reported that the Chiefs are constrained by their cap situation? Because that's the message that the Chiefs want you to hear right now. I mean, like they, I mean, this is a game. Uh, If you are listening to reporters say, well, the Chiefs are tied up against it. They are hearing that from the Chiefs. The Chiefs are saying, well, we're tied up against it. That gives them, you know, they hope to gain some grace there when it comes to, you know, we know what kind of cap space, but, the Saints cleared $30 million in cap space today. 
uh, and they are notoriously under the cap. They kick the can down the road all the time. You can create cap, cap space to make moves. They tied up against the cap can be used in a lot of different ways as a statement. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's just DRK. If the defense is bad next year, do the do this do they scapegoat Spags or stand by him? I don't know because it's going to be interesting going into next year, regardless. Um, I believe we don't know for sure, but it sounds like a lot of the assistant coaches' contracts were are going to be up after this year. We don't know about Colin, but it sounds like a lot of the other guys are. We've heard confirmation that Madison and um, Matt House's contracts are going to we're going to be up after this 2022 season. I'm connecting the dots that the entire defensive staff that was signed at the same time in 2019 is. Steve Spagnuolo's contract might be up in general, so yeah, it does make for an easy scapegoat if you want to blame it on him. And to be honest. You kind of can. Like, I think that's fair because he has such rigid, um, like, limits on what kind of players he's going to put out there. I think his defensive scheme is great. I really do love his defensive scheme, but it's so rigid in the personnel department that if it continues to fail, if they continue to struggle to add talent to it at some point in time, it's got to be because it's too hard to get the talent that you say you need into this scheme we they've struggled to do it for three four years now to get the guys that he needs to field a consistently good defense so i think it's fair to scapegoat him if that happens i also will say he really hasn't been given that much talent to deal with at the positions as well but like i said it's like 50 50 his fault and not his fault bones jackson uh He's kind of upset about Buffalo getting Vaughn and, and the improvements from D- Denver and LA. He just said, it Fair. seems, if anything, the Chiefs have gotten worse. The Chiefs are worse than they were uh, this time you know, last year. And the Chiefs are worse than they were the end of last year, obviously. like They've lost a lot of free agents. Um, it doesn't feel like there are paths to improve this team in some areas from last year without some very big, aggressive moves. I don't think there's a ton out in the edge rusher market that's really going to help impact this pass rush um, safety, you know, I think they, they they'll be fine at safety. Um, I, I think they need to improve wide receiver. Like I think there's some areas on this football team. They got to get better. They got to continue to separate themselves a little bit more. And I'm not overly excited at this point about this. Uh, Casey from Casey, should the chiefs just create the most dominant offensive line in history now? <laughs> I, yeah. Why uh, do it? I don't, I know it's a bad option. I said on the lab, the lab uh, when we recorded live earlier this week, I think my number one priority right now is going to get a Billy Turner, going to get Leal Collins, Daryl Williams, somebody to play right tackle. Cause I think you start to break down the money you want to spend. Yeah. Maybe you spend a little bit extra on the offensive line. If you have, if you're paying Brown, Sunni, and this, you know, mid tier right tackle, but you have two rookie deals that aren't going to be very expensive. You can get by with one to three years of paying those other three, I believe. So yeah, why, why not at this point in time? Go defeat, protect yourself from these edge rushers that the entire AFC added. I think that'll do just as much for you as adding just about any player that's also available in free agency right now. BA Cyclone, what is your favorite move for picking up a wide receiver, or a wide receiver two and why? I saw Kent really like the idea of Juju, but Juju, but just a little deeper analysis on potential options Options would be interesting. Yeah, I really like the idea of Juju. Um, I think Maddie's probably banging the drum harder for Juju than anybody, though, so credit Maddie for that. But, I mean, Juju, I think he can play a little bit of X. He's a guy that operates well in the slot. He can move around. Like He's a guy that can operate in little different areas. That's something the Chiefs do a lot with their X receiver anyway, so he's versatile in that regard. He's still young. 
Uh, maybe you can offer him a multi-year deal if you really like him and you believe in him. Uh, and you might be able to do a little bit out of value because the last year, you know, was kind of derailed by injuries and some of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you're hoping that the production that he had when Big Ben had a had a functioning arm helps. Um, I think he's the, he's a good fit. Allen Robinson, it's going to be interesting to see what his market is. He might be more expensive than we're all anticipating, even though he had a horrific year, uh, you know, and didn't get a ton of opportunities with Justin Fields, Andy Dalton in Chicago. Um, J- Jarvis Landry is the guy I expect, <laughs> and I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. It's like, I'm not a huge Juju guy. We talked about a little bit on the lab. I I just, I, I don't like, you know, I don't like his skill set uh, enough. I think he's just like a slot only short intermediate type receiver and he's not a lot of fun um okay well, i, I want to build out because oh. i mean and i just wanted to build out okay if they go jarvis landry like or even a jamison crowder i'm going to put in the same bucket even though i think i like him a little bit more but i'll put him in the same bucket if you want to go that route of signing these slot only guys that are essentially third and short over the middle of the field out of the slot options which will help the Chiefs offense. They will they will make it better. But if you want to go that route, you have to do one of two things. One, you have to go spend an early draft pick on a receiver to not only compliment them, not only be another wide receiver too, because they don't play on the vertical field at all. They don't line up outside. They don't really create yards after the catch. They have such a limited role. You need another talented receiver that compliments them, that you pair with them to compliment them to get a complete wide receiver too for this diverse offensive scheme the Chiefs run. Or you have to go sign another guy in free agency to kind of do the same stuff. So if you want me to make a case for Jarvis Landry, I really don't want to sign a receiver and then still be forced to drafting one early. I think you can sign A-Rob or Juju and draft one early if the value's there, but you don't have to. I think if you sign Landry, you have to. That's my holdup. But if you don't want to do that, maybe you sign Julio Jones late in the process chasing a ring. You get Landry and Julio Jones, two veterans that are going to be here for one year. Neither one are going to be asked to do everything that they have been for their last couple teams. Together, they might still have enough to form a complete receiver. Just that way you get a little bit of balanced skill sets. That gives you a chance to not be forced into drafting you know, one in the top 62 picks. And that would be my only way I'd feel good about Jarvis Landry is pairing him with another signing at the same time. And Julio Jones is probably the only guy that's not going to be the same price as Landry that I think offers that. And, you know, there's some good receivers that could fall down the board too. So if you do go grab some veterans, you can still draft a receiver at some point in this draft and still find a decent player. Uh, Anti-law lawyer, do you think that the Chiefs brain trust has accepted that next year will be something of a down year and is behaving accordingly, Maddie? No, like I said earlier, I don't think that you can just go look at some of the veterans on this team and do that. I think you have to put your best forward to compete. 2020, they did this maneuver where they kept their guys in house. They paid their guys and that kind of cost that set them back a little bit. Like there's no way around it. It set them back. The hope was they would win a second Super Bowl back to back, which gives you some grace, some leeway. They didn't quite get it done. I don't think that you can have another year, only two years removed from that to say, hey, we can't add more talent to this team again. We kind of just have to run with what we have. It might not be as good. Like, I don't think you can do that every other year if you're the Chiefs. So it would just, it would be very difficult, I think, of a sell to some of the players on this team in their current situation to do that again. Fish asks, does the offensive line take a big second year together? Jump. Absolutely. Because I think Orlando Brown really settled in and got a lot better. And you saw him towards the end of the year being more comfortable. I think this group really played 
played well together towards the end. And I think having that continuity is going to be massive for this football team. Uh, and I think there's, you know, even if it's Andrew Wiley starting at right tackle, like I think this is going to be a the pretty good group. Grayson Jaspers, are we getting a Bashad Breeland reunion, Maddie? No, I was um, <laughs> I was I was debating, and then I almost said yes just because he does kind of fit what I think they're doing. Now I think the answer is no. I, I don't know if he would like to or not. It's just, I feel like once you go that year out of the system, you don't have a particularly good showing. I don't know if the Chiefs are necessarily, the Chiefs, Brett Beach has not shown the desire to go back to you after you have not been successful or just, you know, less successful somewhere else. I think that's, we haven't seen the precedent set yet to make me think that we're going to see it. All right, last one. Nick asks, the last couple of years, some mock drafts nailed down the positions the Chiefs were going to draft. Running back, center. Are you seeing a consensus position-wise as we get closer to the draft? I mean, I think there's a lot of teams that are looking at wide receiver uh, for the Chiefs. I've seen that quite a few times. Um, you know, I think teams like you know, I think the team, I think edge and edge and wide receiver are, are two positions that teams or that people seem to be pinning on the Chiefs pretty frequently. Um, mostly wide receiver for me. I don't know if you see it any any way different, Maddie. Yeah, I, I think it had been, and people were right, it had been safety. I think a lot of the people that are in the know of just different stuff and had put their mocks together with that information, were, you were seeing a lot of Lewis Seen, you were seeing a lot of Daxton Hill going to the Chiefs at the end of the first round of mock drafts. I do think the Justin Reed signing, I mean, should he change that? So I'll be interested. You know, we're about to get another wave of mock drafts, I assume, maybe over the weekend or early next week. We'll see what that changes, but I'm really not hyper fixated on that until april let it get through entirely through these phases of free agency to see what moves are made or you know if the chiefs go out and make a couple big moves and we feel confident saying they're done maybe then but like yeah i think the chiefs you will get an idea of what the chiefs are doing it had been safety so i'm interested to see where it goes now for me that is it for 21 questions thank you so much for asking and thank you so much for listening uh if you want to support or do any you want to be part of the fun, uh, the KCSN Substack links in the description of this show uh, to, to, to get you to sign up. We appreciate y'all and we'll catch you later.